0: You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. I'm Bill Powers. This is Mining Stock Education. Joining me is Joe Mazumdar, expert commentator and investor in the resource sector. His website is explorationinsights.com. Joe, thanks for coming on the show today. I'd like to pick your brain uh, for my own learning and the learning of my audience regarding a lot of these transactions we're seeing in the mining space. And let's start with one that came out of left field that I'm sure nobody saw unless they were putting the deal together. But AMC and Eric Sprott going in to finance Highcroft Mining. What is your analysis of this transaction?
1: Yeah, that's that's an interesting one, Bill. Thanks, thanks for having me again. So, um, Highcroft Mining is one I visited uh, a couple of times uh, when I was an analyst with uh, with Canaccord Genuity, um, and uh, I was always in the impression that that uh, the process they had to uh, put together. Uh, to to uh, basically uh, get the gold out of that low-grade um, deposit uh, uh, wasn't going to work. And so I was always sort of negative on it technically. And it failed once. And then they, they, they made a special purpose uh, acquisition uh, company that acquired the asset again. They raised more money. And then the process didn't work again. Uh, and then, you know, basically they were trading it 20, 30 cents, and then they needed money. And at that point, no institutional equity fund uh, that had done all the prior due diligence was willing to give them the money because they didn't think the process worked. And if that process didn't work, then they would have to put an autoclave in or some kind of roasting facility and just say, hey, you know, that's going to cost a lot of capital and that's going to take maybe 10 years or infinity to permit. So I don't want to touch that. Then in the meantime, they basically got people that were interested in just looking at the gold ounces, which are huge. And saying, "Hey, look! If you're interested in gold, this is an interesting leverage play." And so Eric Sprott came in with 28 million, (laughs) and then they brought in one of these uh, companies that was a big Reddit crowd uh, uh, company called AMC, um, the uh, the brick and mortar theater company, and that company basically brought their Reddit crowd, and that's what they were pushing. And said, "You know, we." You know, that can't help you with mining and they can't help you with the process, but I can help you with liquidity. And they really helped with liquidity because, I mean, they traded, like uh, we were talking off air, about a billion shares worth, a billion dollars worth of shares yesterday. And they're trading another 800 million today. And their market cap is 500 million, but it was 10 times less than that early in March. So this, this has been another Reddit story where, where, Let's say the, the people that have done the due diligence say it's not worth this much. It's never going to happen and keep shorting the stock. And then the Reddit crowd, I can see, you know, the discussions on their, their board saying, OK, hey, the short positions have come up. Let's hit it, guys. And then they're hitting it with 90 bucks, $100 trades, and they're really hitting it hard and pushing the shorts out. And then every time we see this leap in share price and huge liquidity. And I think the big connection there... Was Mudrick Capital, which had invested a lot in AMC, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, last year or the year before, over two hundred million, and they also Mudrick owns about forty percent of Highcroft. And I think that was probably the connection that got AMC into Highcroft. It's been a boon for Highcroft to go from twenty-five cents to two sixty, two seventy right now, uh, on on no news. Uh, and and they definitely AMC definitely brought the Reddit crowd and brought the liquidity. Uh, uh, technically, nothing has changed for me, but obviously on a valuation uh, basis, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's changed significantly.
0: So, Joe, when I'm looking at uh, my stock screener in my portfolio, and yesterday when Highcroft Mining was up eighty percent in a day, eight zero eighty percent in a day, yeah. and then I'm looking at my portfolio down five percent, flat down eight percent, up two percent. And then you see this big green, you know, stick up 80%. How should I view that? You know, you think you do your due diligence and you put your money into the sector, high risk, high reward. And then all of a sudden this stock goes in two weeks, tenfold. You know, how do you view something like that?
1: Oh, I mean, it's it's probably the same as the market would have been looking at a lot of these meme stocks during the COVID, uh, uh, pandemic, you know, like all these people were at home and looking at these things and there was a mentality against, uh, the, the smart money to say, Oh, look, these guys are going against my stock, you know, uh, Let's 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 push them out, and these these boards, you know, with, with all these people doing small shares, if the little guy uh, would would push on, uh, you know, the the big uh, the the big money and, and you know Wall Street or whatever, uh, and and that's transferred into this stock. I know that previously uh, the silver guys were trying to do that with with a silver company. I think we said you yeah, know First Majestic or something, which did not pan out. But bringing AMC on there and all those people that made money on AMC into this one, uh, that's worked out much better. So I don't think I answered your question in terms of how you look at this. But, uh, yeah, I mean... uh, if you get a Reddit account, well, I I guess <laughs> it,
0: it, it's a fear of missing out, right? Or not fear. That's exact, of, I mean, it is. Uh, exactly honestly, it, it is exactly 80% it in is. a day versus I do due diligence and I think I got a good company and it's down 2% while it's up 80%. You just kind of say to yourself, like, you know, what yeah, am like I doing? Or what am I like missing? You say,
1: you're going through your due diligence. Okay, here's the management, here's the asset, here's the share structure. Oh my God, they need money. I'll hold back. And they got this debt. They had that debt that they had from Sprott Lending that was sitting there as well that they pushed back uh, for two years once they got this money in. So and and then they did an at the market facility. So they had that one sitting out there, and they totally filled that one, which was 138 million. So between that, they almost raised like 200 million dollars in the last month. You know, the stock that you know nobody was willing to give them any money. Just, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe in, in February, there was no way that they were getting any money. So I a mean, big turnaround. And and. Uh, yeah, and will will it, it
0: affect the other stocks, stocks, though, if generalists are being drawn to the gold stocks through Highcroft, are they going to put their dollars in any other stocks besides Highcroft? Because it doesn't seem like there's been a general lift from this promotion.
1: No, it's very specific because I think the Reddit crowd is very specific in terms of they've got their own group and that same group made a lot of money on AMC and they had this sort of uh, play in terms of shorts, squeeze the shorts, everybody pile in and we'll get these guys. And so they're not thinking about the asset, the management team on Highcroft, you know, permitting in Nevada or nothing like that or uh, uh, the metallurgy. Or the refractory nature of the ore, they're just thinking about, oh, look, this hedge fund hates it or this guy hates it and they're squeeze and they're to short position. Let's nail them. And 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 that is basically what's going on. Um so um, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to make that play because I mean I because when you look at it, I'm on more on the side of the the people that are shorting it, thinking, well, this doesn't make any sense. But you know, even though I'm not buying it, I'm definitely not shorting it mm-hmm. at this point.
0: But we're definitely watching what's going on. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's definitely an interesting, uh, you know, does, does AMC think, oh, you know, this is a way of making money. Maybe I could do this again. Uh, so It's that, a case study though, in
0: psychology, right? What exactly. Because yeah. yeah. even
1: Eric Sprott, who has his own following among retail gold bucks, could not bring this kind of liquidity into Highcroft as did AMC and with their crowd. That 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 was huge.
0: All right, so let's travel from Nevada where Highcroft is over to Mongolia. Mongolia uh, Rio Tinto makes an all cash proposal to acquire full ownership of Turquoise Hill. What's your commentary here?
1: Well, I guess the thing is that you know copper projects, development projects, advanced projects are rarer and rarer and uh, the thing is that when you acquire something, when you make an acquisition, the easiest acquisition to make is to increase your ownership of an asset you already own. Okay. And, and, and when I was at Newmont, we did the same thing at Boddington, you know, we owned, I believe, two thirds of it. Then we took angle goals portion out. And so the due diligence is easy because you're already operating it. You already know everything about it. And they already had all their ownership of all well, you told caught up with their ownership of Turquoise Hill what they just did was they increased their ownership of Turquoise Hill to take the whole 66% of the asset all the risks remain on development of the underground and you know i calculated you know because this is a big project this is like i believe about a global resources about 100% base about 90 billion pounds of copper and about 0.9% copper equivalent in terms of the, uh, my my estimate but they, but and they spent for reserves, they spent about 30 cents per pound, which is which is comparable to what um, South 32 paid for reserves of Sierra Gorda when they bought that in Chile, an operating mine. But on a resource basis, they spent about nine cents. And why is that? Because Oyu Tolgoy has a huge underground resource that you would have to drill out a lot more to convert into reserves, which is not in reserves yet. So that's sort of showing to me that Rio Tinto is thinking there's not a lot of copper assets out there. You know, we can make a punt on this one. We're already in it, take a bigger stake and clean up the, the ownership in that, such that we're negotiating cleaner with, with the Mongolian government and how we forward uh on uh on Oytogo. And and probably in the back of their minds, they're thinking, Jesus, you know, resolution has taken such a long time, we've spent two billion dollars on that. And, you know, we just had our permit suspended and, uh, you know, now we're still doing the land swap again. So why not take a chance on this? And then I guess now we'll move on to the other copper project that was acquired, which would have been Rico Dick in uh, Pakistan.
0: And I want to ask you about that, Joe, because last year I was offered uh, the ability to help finance a a private company that had a nice copper project in Pakistan. And I didn't knew nothing of Pakistan I just typed in "mining Pakistan copper projects" and uh, up came articles about how Pakistan was not allowing Barrick to move forward with this copper project. But now all of a sudden they are. So, what is your commentary here? Is Pakistan opening up to Western investors?
1: Yeah, I don't know if everyone's going to jump in through the hoop to go into Pakistan, but I mean, it's 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 the sort of change in Barrick once Mark Bistro became CEO. He doesn't mind negotiating uh, with heads of state in countries that are sort of like uh, on the edge with respect to geopolitical risk, like as he did with uh, with Tanzania, they continue to operate and expand in the DRC, you know, and most of, uh, you know, his value add was, was in RAND gold operating in a lot of um, shaky regions uh, of Africa. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, they might be thinking that this might be a comparative advantage they have. And then when they look at the you know, because the rumors are that they had an opportunity to bid on Great Bear, but they didn't want to pay a premium. Um, they are copper gold assets in, uh, in, uh, in British Columbia and the Yukon that they haven't, you know, uh, jumped on. But they're probably thinking, here's an advanced project that we already know. We've already done a feasibility study. Granted, it's probably a decade, year, decade uh, old now. But uh, that, that, that's, you know, decent grade. And, uh, you know, maybe we can just, uh, uh, you know, uh, make that work. So this is about, you know, my calculations, 100% basis, 74 billion pounds of about 0.5, 0.6% copper equivalent. So what they've done is gone from 37.5% to 50%. And, and, and Antifagasta has pulled out. So Antifagasta, the same company that had their permit suspended or rescinded on their twin metals project in Minnesota. Uh, has pulled out of this one but they received 900 million dollars in cash so that 900 million dollars that they get sort of puts the valuation of the global resource of this asset at about three cents. you know so it's pretty low because of the geopolitical risk and what they're willing to pay it's not as if there's a lot of people trying to get into pakistan right now but but from barrack's point of view they're thinking well you know nobody else can do this but us and uh, what they've done is they've always had the provincial government in 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 the ownership but now they've brought the federal government of Pakistan in into the uh, ownership so that, that that would help with the permit but then you know you take it from their point of view if they did this in the states you know they would do all this but then they wouldn't know when to permit when the permit would come you know it, it's supposedly transparent like we think
0: Or if they get the permit and then the permits taken from them, which we've seen, which is very frustrating,
1: (laughs) which is very frustrating. And we'll talk about this as well. So if you have that in your back of your mind and then you have this resource, you talk to the government, you've negotiated probably in in the back rooms for about, you know, four or five years. And now you say, well, now we could do this, you know, uh, let's do it. And then I could see a path to developing it within three years, you know, a much shorter time frame. So. And then you add that on to what's happening in Peru and Chile, uh, you know, uh, so all that, frame that and and their previous exploits with Pascualama in Argentina. So then they're going, well, you know, maybe this is the place to go to, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, and it's, you know, the price is there. And so from a risk-reward perspective basis it might make sense but you know now we're talking it was a 3.3 billion dollar upfront capital maybe a decade ago it's probably over 5 to 7 now but then you got to think okay if they do this are they ever going to do donlin you know so can they do two of these projects i don't know
0: so donlin you brought up alaska uh a stock yeah. that you recommended trilogy metals uh, and ha- who has been a multi-year sponsor of this show they spend five years uh, getting a, an environmental impact statement for, and a permit for the road that they need to connect to the Dalton Highway. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Biden administration says, well, not so fast. Uh, let's look at this again, even though the permit was issued. Well, what's your commentary here?
1: Well, the pattern seems to be there. Like not only with the Ambler Access Road, the two hundred and eleven mile road from the Dalton Highway to the Ambler Mining District, which is the joint venture between Trilogy and South Thirty Two, but we the thing about the Twin Metals, we saw that, and the other thing we talked about was Resolution. All those three had positive, you know, forward advancements during the previous administration, Republican administration, but have gone backwards, um, you know, uh, in, under this administration. And specifically, I know uh, Trilogy more than I do with the resolution and with uh, with Twin Metals, but you know this was I don't know a fifteen hundred page document with you know that's taken you know multi years to put together, and it's being put together by by the Alaska uh, Development uh, Fund, and not not South Thirty Two, not Trilogy, uh, and not uh, you know any corporation. It's it's being put through by the Alaska government. So you got strong support from Alaska state government. You got strong support from the senators. You got some strong support from the Native Corp that where the where the ground is on. So you're thinking, well, all the stakeholders are there. And then a group of I don't know, 50 people, 100 people, maybe, in, in three or four villages that are anywhere from 20 to 70 miles south of the road where it connects to Dalton Highway, are basically drumming up. Uh, you know, support from these NGOs to say, "Hey, the process wasn't followed; we weren't we weren't uh, consulted," which is hard to believe considering how long that process took. You know that that these people weren't consulted previously, so that's a shocker for me. Uh, very disappointing. And and uh, as we talked offline, was was sort of saying, "Well, you know, if we if we all were thinking that." the states was transparent but took a long time if you followed the process but here these people followed the process did everything went through all the hoops and actually got issued the permit in July 2021 and then here we are in 2022 and then it's been taken away you know so um yeah that, that for me was a shocker because now with all the Reddit around you know uh, electric vehicles. Uh, you know greenhouse gas emissions. Now the the issue with you know Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, prob- uh, problematically, you know s- um, sifting supply chains and generating a lot of market market segmentation is sort of like well, you can't have one without the other. You know either you're going to be dependent on other people, you know, or 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 you're going to do it yourself. The problem is that. You know, you, you can't talk this way and then do something completely different and expect a different outcome because, you know, basically you're screwing yourself. Because the states and all the content of North America has a lot of resources and can do a lot of things. But the problem is if if, if we keep, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, stopping these projects which have done everything you've asked them to do and still they can't proceed, then then you we will get... Barrack going to Pakistan, then we will get Rio increasing their stake in this project in Mongolia. You know, that's where you're driving them.
0: And don't you think you're keeping capital away from the United States because South 32 committed $150 million into Trilogy Medals with the expectation that the permit for the road would go through like it did. And now, if you're South 32, you're looking at this and saying, wow, what do we just do here with our money? And if you're looking to purchase a project, I'm assuming these these foreign miners are saying to themselves, we don't want to deal with the federal government, you know, give me private land or, or give me something where I don't have to well, deal with the BLM. Right. If I'm going to invest in a project.
1: Well, well, that's what South 32. I mean, they spent almost a billion dollars or more on on Arizona mining to get uh, uh, the Hermosa project, the zinc project in uh, in in uh, Arizona. Um uh, but but that project, the scoping study, was done only on the private land, not on the BLM land. But the problem is most of these companies, when they buy something, they want to make it bigger. And when you want to put the tailings or the processing and stuff like that somewhere, you might have to put it and then access because you 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 don't fly out gold from the site. You have to you have to have a road to take out the concentrate. Then you have to put it through a national forest and then all the permitting around that. So, you know, what, what it's coming down to right now, it seems like for whatever reason, Nevada seems to be the state that it still seems to work, you know, but, but there's few other states where it seems to be able to work.
0: But doesn't the Fraser Institute list Arizona and Idaho pretty high still, though, at this point?
1: Yeah, but I, it- I, I don't I don't read that anymore. Uh, the big deal is that what you see happening. That's that's what happens you know so so if you look and you see arizona the way it is uh uh, you know maybe you can permit something but you know like uh like safford uh when i was with rio tinto that took 10 years to permit you know uh and then when it actually did get permitted we missed the cycle or phelps dodge missed the cycle and then they didn't they built it, and then they had to shut it down, then they built it, then they started again. So it does take time, but I think the thing is that people are okay with the time if the transparency is there. The problem right now is the transparency seems to be gone, is to say, okay, we did everything, here's the document, and then they tell you, oh, you got 30, 60, 90 days, this is how the process works. Then we issue you a record of decision. Okay, great. I got my record of decision. It's positive. hoo hoo! Let's go. And then they then they say, okay, wait a second. I want to take that back. So That's can we say fairness?
0: Trans, substitute transparent for fairness, right?
1: Yeah, like like because I'm thinking, as we were talking offline, the bureaucracy is what should drive the permitting, not uh, not the, the who's in government. You know, it shouldn't go all one way one year and then all the other way the next year, because like we were saying, these these are 10, 20 year mine lives. They can't deal with that. You know, uh, and it's not as if the process, you know, how can you get a process with, you know, with the road in that that you've been trying to build for five years or so and, and have a 1500 page document and then say you missed something. You know, how, how's that possible when you had all those meetings, you know, so I, I don't get that. So
0: Joe, there's a lot of a lot going on in the world. And the big thing is the Russia, Ukraine, NATO conflict. How is this affecting us as commodity and mining investors? What are some of the key takeaways that you're observing?
1: Well, I mean, we saw something like like, uh, let's say, a Reddit move on nickel where there was a short squeeze there, uh, so uh, we had, a, uh, you know, we had a nickel market that was that the, the, the inventories were shrinking, so it was a positive market, and nickel was doing well without the invasion of Ukraine initially, um, but then we had a, let's say a conspiracy of of things happening, not a conspiracy, but let's say a combination of things happening where which conspired. Uh, to push the nickel price, you know, over well over 40 bucks uh, per pound, where we had a Chinese company that thought, okay, we're going to grow our nickel production, that's going to put pressure on the nickel market. So the nickel price is going to go down. uh, So we're going to short nickel. So they had these big short positions on nickel. And then at the same time, they obviously didn't predict, nobody predicted, Russia invaded Ukraine. And, and one of the biggest nickel mines in the world, if not the biggest nickel mine, is the Norilsk operation in uh, Siberia. Uh, you know, and, and then uh, there's the sanctions hit. And so then suddenly, you know, uh, that significant amount of nickel you know, is technically off the market for the Western economies. You know, and so the nickel price, you know, makes a big, uh, big move up because of a, a, a squeeze. It's 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 since gone down, but the problem with that is that, you know, the nickel is going to be used. Again, the underlying demand is for this electric vehicle market. And these people look to see the battery chemistry, and then they look at the commodities that they require for the batteries and say, okay, what's this going to cost? How much can we get? What's the security supply? Blah, blah, blah. And then when they see this volatility in nickel, then they sort of go, oh, hang on a second. Uh, Do I need to basically reduce the amount of nickel I need because of the volatility in the nickel price? And and that's demand destruction potential is is probably the risk that I'm I'm, I'm worried about with respect to what's happening in that market.
0: Same thing and, with palladium uh, then, because Russia produces so much palladium. Yeah,
1: palladium as well, uh, and, and and a lot of that palladium actually goes into the states. You know. Um, uh so so then you got to think about you know where else can you get palladium uh and because we're still in a market right now where we have a chip shortage with respect to manufacturing cars uh and now you know and we need the palladium uh, to reduce emissions on the catalytic converters for the kind of fuel we use here in North America so it it, it this market segmentation should make us think royal us uh, think about you know uh, the projects we have close to home that make sense that should get permitted and generate goodwill in terms of capital being invested into your region and saying wow i'll do this because i know that it'll take a little while but i it's transparent and i'll get permitted that's still the case for canada like in British Columbia and I think Ontario and, you know, most, uh, most of the, the provinces here. But it, it, it seems to be getting worse, uh, not better in the States. That might change with with the midterm elections uh, when people have to negotiate things and, you know, maybe they'll, uh, you know, they'll make some things happen. But again, that shouldn't be the way it works. There should be an underlying bureaucracy that looks at all the data and makes a decision and an and in Trilogy's case, they made the decision. Uh, but the problem is now that they're taking a lot of these decisions back.
0: Joe, before you go, uh, you were sharing with me before we hit record some insights on narrow vein mine investing and how difficult it is. I was absolutely destroyed in my portfolio last year with Arcana Silver. Uh, narrow vein silver mine in Colorado It's not going as planned. And consequently, the share price is a fraction of what I invested in last year in my last uh, private placement. But for the audience's sake that didn't get to hear what you shared with me, what are some things you look for in a narrow vein mine? What are some things you look out for in a narrow vein mine?
1: Okay, well, I mean, we just, I did a piece on this one company called Gatto Silver, uh, which, 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 you know, had been operating, had a feasibility study, went straight into operation uh, and uh, was producing silver. And, uh, you know, they were, you know making some money uh but they kept talking about hey look at the grade and it was very volatile the grade year on year uh, quarter on quarter And then I I didn't know much about the project. Uh, But then they released their full year production numbers. And then they said, oh, we had our biggest quarter or something like that. The grade was up based on the third quarter. Everything looks good, blah, blah, blah. Then about two weeks later, they basically said that, uh, you know, after a year of mining, there's a problem with the resource and reserves. And it looks like we're going to have to work on this. We might not have a release until... Uh, you know, the middle of the year, but we look to maybe take a hit about 30, you know, plus percent decline. And then we're going, well, what the heck happened there? And so as I went into the deep dive, that might help a lot of your your listeners in terms of just w- looking through some of the issues with, with that one specifically. One was the drill spacing. Uh, in terms of when you get to underground mining, you know, you don't want to have You know you're going to have a lot of indicated because it's expensive to drill measured from surface. You know, uh, so so what was weird about that project was how much measured they had, considering all the drilling was from surface because the only development they did underground was actually to get to an uh, a bulk tonnage sample, but it didn't go through the veins. So so that was number one the amount of certainty that they thought they had which they really didn't have on a, on a narrow vein mine in Mexico. And then the other thing is that they actually changed the cutoff grade from the resource to the reserves. And that happens as you get into reserves because, but you want to be more selective. They got less selective. They actually reduced the cutoff grade and put in more. And so their measured, re, res, their measured resources actually Generated more proven reserves than it should, and so that was another red flag. I didn't know what was happening there. Another was the estimation methodology, and so the high variability of gold deposits and these vein deposits suggests that you know that uh, you know you have to use some estimation methodologies, which limits the amount of uh, influence that a sample has you know, beyond where it's actually drilled. But some methods smooth it. So if you have a disseminated deposit, a methodology like ordinary kriging works well. But if it's a narrow vein and you take it, you get a drill hole here and then another one there, and then it, it basically takes that grade and then basically uh, just meshes it into the next one. Then you get this, all this supposed ore in the middle that really doesn't exist that was just a, a computer thing because you forced it into there whereas if you see that they use a methodology that sort of tightens that influence that's better because that's more close to reality and i think that's part of the issue that they've that they're that they're dealing with now and so those were several red flags that i found that that document is now, you know, free on our website, explorations.com, as you said, and they could pick exploration it up insights.com. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I should know my own website. And um, that's probably why people don't go to it when I tell them to go to it, because it's not the right website. So
0: you, uh, your newsletter, you offer commentary, and you also do a lot of site tours. So before you recommend a stock, you're often boots on the ground, aren't you?
1: Well, problematically, the last two years with COVID, I have had to trade stocks that I haven't had to go boots on the ground yet. And now I'm catching up on a lot of stuff now. So I was in Argentina a couple of weeks ago. And now I'm heading down back down to South America to Brazil to look at a a copper company down there. So yeah, I'm starting to pick up the site visits now as uh, the COVID restrictions come off.
0: Excellent. Well, Joe's website is linked in the show notes, but again, it's explorationinsights.com. I encourage you to go check it out. And there are a lot of free educational articles you can find there as well as information on the subscription service. Joe, thank you for this mentoring session. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts, might cost 50 or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for one returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the